Hey shopkeepers, Kathy here. I have a little disclaimer today. Although I will say I am really excited to share that we are launching our Shopkeepers Story series today. This is where I interview shopkeepers in our community so that you can hear their stories and learn from them. In today's episode, I interview Miriam of Coco Jolie Chocolates in New Jersey. And we had, when we record these, we actually record them on Zoom, face-to-face, and we had a couple of audio issues in Miriam's episode. So I just wanna make sure that you know this. So if you hear twice during the episode, if you hear her voice go out or break a little bit, that's why. And I love that I sent it to her and I asked her to listen to it and we both agreed It doesn't have to be perfect. Life isn't perfect, right? So give it a listen. I really hope you enjoy this series. If you have any feedback, you know how to reach me, and we'll go ahead and get started with the shopkeeper's stories. Welcome to the Savvy Shopkeeper Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Cruz. I'm really happy to announce today that the Shopkeeper Story series is back. Last year, I interviewed four shopkeepers from the Savvy community. They were all Master Shopkeepers members, and I'm just really happy to say that I have four more interviews coming up this month. And today, I'm extremely happy that I have Miriam Geidelman. Am I saying that correctly? Geidelman, very close. Geidelman. Oh, (laughs) I thought I had it right. Gittleman of Coco Jolie in New Jersey. Where are you in New Jersey? We're in Englewood, New Jersey, which is northern uh, northern New Jersey, Bergen County. We're about 11 miles from Manhattan. Okay. Oh, nice and close. Yeah, we're very close to the city. That would be trouble because I would be tempted to go there all the time. <laughs> Although some people aren't huge fans of big cities like that, but I love New yeah. York City. If you have to commute there to work, then it's not such a novelty and you'd rather stay in New Jersey, but uh, I'm lucky. Sure. Sure. Or hit the beaches in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm really happy to have you here. You've been a member of Master Shopkeepers for what, maybe yes. a year now? Over yeah, a year? Probably, just, uh, probably around a year or so. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I would love for you to share with everyone. I know it already a little bit, but I'm sure you'll probably share more than I already know just about your journey. So you're a fine chocolate. Would you say you're a fine chocolates shop? Yes. Uh, I call it a fine chocolates and confections. Okay. Yum. And I've had your chocolates. I've ordered them. They're incredible. We'll save that for a little bit, but if you just tell us about your journey, that would be great. Sure. Um, So this is actually my third career and um, I feel extraordinarily fortunate to be here because while it's the third career, it's the lifelong dream. So um, I've been doing stuff in the kitchen since I was probably 11 or 12 years old and wanted to go to culinary school, like straight out of high school. Um, but life sometimes takes you in other directions. And I went to university, I earned a degree in architecture. I worked in that field for about seven, eight years. Um, And then for a variety of reasons, I transitioned into internet technology, um, social media, digital marketing, that sort of thing. Um, And I worked in that field for about 20 years in different capacities, both um, owning and co-owning my own digital media agency, as well as working for um, other companies in that capacity. And um, one of my longest uh, clients who also became uh, my employer and then my clients again was a wine and spirits importer. Um, And that sort of gave me, I'd say my first uh, foray or my first foot into the door of the food and wine world. Um, Even though I was coming in from a technical side, I still had the opportunity to attend a lot of events and meet a lot of interesting people. Um, and it just sort of reignited, 
you know, the passion, the interest um, that, I, that was always there in one way or another. Um, and then through sort of another series of life changes, um, I had the opportunity to go to culinary school about five years ago. Um, and I did a professional pastry arts degree and absolutely loved it. It was probably, wasn't probably, it was one of the best times of my life. Um, I met people from every walk of life, every background. And if any of you listening have worked in corporate America for a long period of time, or even a short period of time, you know how sort of regimented and rigid it could be and, and very um, homogenous sometimes. Um, and to me, uh, my experience in culinary school, both in terms of my classmates, as well as my instructors, was such an incredible breath of fresh air. Um, and I formed friendships that I still hold today um, with people who had just graduated high school from the inner cities of you know, New York to people who had just come out of the military to someone who's been a travel agent for 30 years. And this was also his second career, like literally and everything in between from all over the world as well. People came to this um, school from every country you can imagine. So truly it was an extraordinary experience. And um, funny story is that the, the chocolate section of the pastry course was just one unit. We learned, you know, we covered a lot of different material. And my final project in the chocolate unit completely collapsed on the day of presentation. Um, I was in tears. Like I literally was crying over chocolate and one of my friends, one of my classmates will not let me forget it. He, he always reminds me of this crying over chocolate. I'm like, you don't know. <laughs> um, so one of my instructors um, pulled me aside. She, she was really a role model for me and she's, uh, she's an African-American woman and she, and she pulled me aside and she's like, first of all, it's just chocolate. Oh, right, I forgot about that. Second of all, um, you know, she said to me, imagine all the obstacles I've had in a male dominated industry as a minority um, and all the things that, you know, I've been able to achieve because you don't let the little things get you down. And it was like just the sort of like wake up call that I needed um, to realize that A, there are people around me who, I mean, I knew this, but it's just good to have a reminder, people around me who I had so much to learn from um, and that this was just a tiny little blip in the road. And if I really was going to commit to, um, you know, a career in this, in this field and really follow my passion, um, I had to kind of buckle my seatbelt as it were, because there were going to be a lot of these things, right? Um, so after I finished school, I worked in a couple different cafes in New York City, um, just to kind of get a little bit more experience in the field. And then um, I did some further study with different chocolatiers um, from around the world. And from there, I just started making stuff at home, giving it to friends and family. Eventually people said, oh, you should sell this. And I'm like, well, if you'll pay me for it, sure, why not, you know? Um, and then so about three years ago, I um, started renting commercial kitchen space from a catering company, started selling just through the website, pop-up shops, farmer's markets. And then um, about a year and a half ago, we moved to our current space, which was formerly a shoe store. So we built out our chocolate production kitchen in the back. We have our retail brick and mortar storefront in the front. And um, despite all the ups and downs, we're still here. So that's the short version. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so hard. I, I know like these episodes are 20, 25 minutes and it's so hard because so many of us have lengthy backgrounds. Sure. I mean, you spent 20 years in a career, that's a long time and so did yeah. I, so I get it. Yeah. It's so hard to condense it into a few yeah. minutes. Of course, I have so many questions and I just want to 
point out one thing that you said because I, I wrote it down. You probably see, see me here taking notes, but it's because I don't want to forget some of the important things that you say or some of the things that I want to ask. Mm-hmm. But I love this quote. You said, it's my third career, but it's the lifelong dream. Yep. Love that. Absolutely. Love that. And Absolutely. I think a lot of people listening are going to be able to relate. So I just want to make sure I point that out. Thank you. And so how many years have you been open? You just probably said, was it, is it three years since you've been open, the brick and mortar? So it is three years um, since I started the business, just about. I uh, started in May 2018, and then we moved to our current location in August of 2019. Okay. So, yes. And I just want to point out, too, that you, you're doing this and you've done all of this with a family, too. You're married, you have yes. children. Yes. How many kids yeah. do you have? Um, so all together, our blended family, we have five kids. Um, yeah, we've got everything from college, high school age to college age and one post-college. So everyone's sort of now in their own, um, walk of life. And, uh, it was honestly, when I was in culinary school, my, my kids were like, um, still elementary and junior high school. Um, but they were so supportive and so encouraging. And, um, like they came, we had a, a at graduation, we have also like a, a final, we call it restaurant day, where um, our guests, our family and friends come and sit down in the special room in the school and we serve them, you know, all the different courses that we made. And so my kids were my guests for restaurant day. And it, it was just like wonderful for them to see also and to get their support, you know, through this journey. That's great. And I think that's important for for people to listen to as well. Like sometimes when we make changes, we want our families to support and encourage us. And that, that means a lot. It's already a hard decision. Sure. And then to go through that journey. And I just want to say too, that you, the way you describe your experience at culinary school gives me FOMO. Like I want to go to culinary school. (laughs) I'm telling you, if you ever have the chance, you totally should. And and a lot of these schools actually do like um, recreational courses. You know, you can a course in bread making or in you know um i don't know some sort of pastry or or you know italian cooking or whatever um so yeah look around in in your area because there's uh, a lot of great schools out there all over the country and the other thing that i want to ask is so you started out doing the farmers so you were renting out kitchen space commercial kitchen space Mm -hmm. can you talk about your experience doing some of those um market type events like before you open the brick and mortar store because i'm sure there are some people listening who are doing the same thing and have a goal of opening a brick and mortar space maybe in the food industry so i'd love for you to share your experience there first can you tell me a little bit about that Sure. Um, So I think the first thing that I did was sort of to scope out the territory, as it were, and, you know, see what the different farmers markets are in the area. Um, Different um, religious organizations have like pop-up shops and boutiques around various holidays. Um, Community centers, even schools have, you know, sort of fundraiser boutiques where they bring in outside vendors and kind of take a look at what's out there and see, get a feel for which um, pop-up shops or farmers markets have a customer base that you think will, your product will resonate with them. Um, So look at what else is selling there, look at the volume of people are there, kind of um, get the vibe of the place, I would say, and that, you know, will help guide you in terms of where you should put your energies and your resources. Um, And I'll say that we had one uh, farmer that we went to regularly um here in like 50 vendors of all different great great farmers market and then they were smaller but um you know also really good as well just because of the 
people who went there and what they were looking for. Um, yeah, put work and, and see what's what's out there um, in terms of how you want to kind of foray into the into the field. Okay, hopefully, I think we might have just lost you a little bit. Hopefully, we didn't lose that whole thing because I think it's so important. So many of us start off in the market scene or working from our homes yeah. or doing any of that, that I think it's, it's yeah. so many of us can relate. I can relate to that as well. It's the path that my sister and I took. Um, mm -hmm. And then what made you I do would also say, Kathy, I would just also say also, if you have a perishable product, take that into consideration because most farmers markets and stuff are in the summer. So be prepared with, you know, coolers or ice packs or whatever else you need, because um, we had some very interesting melted chocolate sculptors, sculptures at the end of some of these days. So was there ever like mind. a market event in the middle of a summer <laughs> where you lost like hundreds of dollars of inventory? So well, not so much, because what we did is I had a certain amount that was just out for display and everything else was in the cooler, which ah, was okay. hooked up to a generator. So it was an electric cooler. So it kept everything cool. So the stuff was on display, got damaged. I knew that was going to happen. I just, you know, it was a loss, but yeah. it enabled us to show what we had. And then everything else that people purchased was kept, you know, in the right temperature. Okay. That makes sense. And then what made you decide to open the brick and mortar space? I mean, that's, that's a, a big jump. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I actually never intended to have a retail storefront, um, but um, we sort of outgrew the kitchen space we were renting in the sense that, um, you know, chocolate can be a very seasonal business. And so um, there are certain times of the year where it's just crazy madness and we we're working really late at night and just really had to hustle. Um, and when you don't have total control over the hours that you have access to your space, um, you know, or if the space for chocolate in particular requires very specific conditions to work in, whether it's the temperature, the humidity, the equipment that you need, um, when you don't have control over those things, it's very hard to really run at your most efficient. So it just became clear that it was time for us to move on and to find a space that we could really build out specifically to suit our needs. This space came up, the location was great. It's right in the downtown of our area, which has a lot of um, fun restaurants and cafes and you know other small um, independent boutiques. So, and it's a seven minute commute from my house. So I couldn't complain about that. Um, and we just, I think with anything like this, you go in with as much knowledge as you can, but also with a little bit of blindness and you don't really know what you're doing until you get into it, but so it goes. <laughs> so true, so true. Everyone listening right now is saying, yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so t I love your actual storefront, the space. It's modern, it's crisp, it's clean, it's very chic. Um, it's very appealing. And every time you post pictures, you guys have to follow Miriam on Instagram or Facebook. We'll, we'll be sure to link it on the show notes. But I think I like every single one of your posts because I love chocolate so much and your store <laughs> is just very visually appealing, but tell me in terms of the size of the space, like how big yeah. is the entire space and what portion of that is the storefront? Sure. So this, the space as a whole is about 950 square feet. Um, two thirds of it is our kitchen. We have uh, orders and then the storefront itself may be around 275 to 300 square feet. Okay. So two thirds is production, which makes sense. You need a lot of space. Yeah. 
And even then, yeah. do you feel like you've outgrown that production space too? Or are you, are you okay in that space? <laughs> so during the busy times, it always gets a little tight. And even to the point where we're um, like packing orders and stuff out in the storefront, which I don't love. But this past um, winter holiday season, we do a lot of corporate gifting as well. So I actually closed the storefront for a couple of days just so we could focus on getting all our um, orders out that that ship. And um, I mean, we had boxes literally piled almost to the ceiling, like, you know, six rows deep. So it was cuckoo. But um, normally we're fine. But there are definitely times where I'm like, oh, man, I really wish we had some more space. I could bring in another you know piece of this type of equipment. We could make our production faster. Um, and it's something actually that I've been wrestling a lot with this year in terms of scaling the business, um, you know, do we invest in additional equipment? Do I bring on another person? Is that really in the long term gonna gonna help us? And, and I don't really have the answer to that yet exactly. Um, but you know, day by day and and sort of trying to be conservative about it, um, especially in this crazy year that we've all had, um, not to do anything that's really gonna jeopardize us. So yeah, so that leads to well, I have one question that I want to make sure I don't forget about. I mean, you came from a digital marketing world yeah. and in that for 20 years has that helped you with your business now I know from conversations that you and I have had and from being in yeah. master shopkeepers as long that you're really knowledgeable in that field but has that helped you or does that just kind of get pushed to the back because there's production and there's everything else going on and you're like I don't have time for this marketing stuff sure sure um, no, it, def it definitely helped me. Um, it helped me, first of all, because I've owned businesses before. Um, they've been service-based, which is totally different from a product-based. So there's a lot of stuff I didn't know before. But just having that experience, working with clients, working with customers, how to you know price things. Um, my One of my former partners and I used to call say we had this thing called pain money when we um, did a, 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 an estimate for a project. Um, we, we would sort of get a sense of who the what the client was like. And if we could see that they were going to be like difficult or just really challenging or draw things out, we wouldn't, we would tack on between he and I, we would call it pain money, which we knew was like, just to cover our bases a little bit, because things were going to be a little bit more challenging. So those kinds of little lessons, you know, that I've learned from, from previous companies that I owned definitely have been helpful in terms of the actual marketing. Um, yeah, it's been helpful kind of bigger picture, but the, the technology changes so quickly and all the different features. And, you know, when I was doing it, Instagram was like, oh, that's interesting. What's that? You know, then came Snapchat, then came TikTok. Then like, it just exploded beyond what I worked in, in terms of like what I actually got my hands dirty in. So now I really look to other people for their expertise uh, on those kinds of things. Um, but I have a general sense kind of, of how I want our social media to portray us, how I want to leverage it. Um, so it's a combination of my knowledge and, and asking today's experts, you know, what their recommendations are, are and uh, how we should proceed. Ah, love that. That's such a great point. Like, and the other thing too, is like your zone of genius is chocolates and coming up with new flavors and doing all of that. And that's probably right. where you want to focus. So you'll delegate yeah. the rest. That makes Definitely. sense. Definitely. And then I want to go back to the whole scaling conversation. You were you would you consider yourself or were you a one woman shop for a long time? Um, technically, no. I think I was a one woman shop for maybe the first six months. Okay. I brought someone else on with chocolate experience. This is still when I was in the kitchen space that we were renting. Um, so I had someone helping me there. 
Uh, I brought my husband in who works in the financial industry, taught him how to pipe ganache into chocolate molds, um, like basically whoever I could pull in, you know, in those crazy times. Um, but uh, when we moved here to this space, I mean, I've had people with me pretty much since the first day we've been here. Um, it's, it's changed, you know, it's up and down. I will say that one of the best things that I did in, in terms of building my team, um, I last summer I started teaching small group chocolate making classes. And in addition to, you know, my paying customers, I did some classes for our local high school kids just for free, um, just as kind of a service to the community. And, and um, honestly, I got much more back from it. I got much more out of it than probably what I gave. I met such incredible, um, you know, high schoolers, teens from our area, and I actually ended up hiring four of them. And they are the most phenomenal, hardworking, fun, smart, like just an inspiring group of young women. And they're with me um, four days a week in the afternoons. And I love them to death. I tell my husband I want to adopt them, but their parents mm -hmm. wouldn't be too happy. So. <laughs> I've really enjoyed watching that part of your story and seeing when you post about them on, on Facebook. I'm sure that was probably felt like maybe, I shouldn't assume, maybe felt like a heavy, I don't know, task is to onboard them and train them and get all of that done. And then there's the weight of, you know, managing them and all of that. But I, it's, I've enjoyed watching that and I can tell how much you enjoy it. Maybe that's why it makes me happy. <laughs> so I want to kind of shift here and talk about your revenue streams. Cause you've talked about corporate accounts. You, you know, I know you, I order from you online, from your online mm -hmm. app, you have the storefront you teach classes. I know you teach classes online. Mm -hmm. so what are all the different ways that your business generates revenue? So even though we have the brick and mortar, I would say about 65 to 70% of our business is still e-commerce. And that is how we started the business. So we kind of got a really good uh, foot in the door there and built up that foundation. Um, and so the brick and mortar storefront is, is, probably, you know, 80% uh, or I'm sorry, and the, the other 25%. And then whatever's in the middle is going to be the classes that I teach, um, some wholesale um, accounts. I, I actually cut back a lot on the wholesaling and I'm very particular and specific about um, who I work with and what I will sell wholesale. Um, but that also includes working with event planners, um, caterers, doing specialty orders for, you know, weddings, um, graduations, bar mitzvahs, things like that. So it's, there's, there's a lot of different streams. And last summer, um, kind of at the height of the pandemic, you know, our business, like most people's just really took a very big hit. And um, Kathy, you probably remember I posted in the group, I was like, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not so sure we're going to last, like, help me guys. And, um, you know, everyone really rallied around and kind of, uh, you know, really lifted my spirits and gave me that energy back. Um, and that's when I started doing the classes and that's actually what truly saved us mm -hmm. and still going strong today. Like I probably get, you know, three or four requests a day for, for classes. So um, it was born out of desperation, I would say, but it is turned into a very um, strong revenue stream for us. And I truly enjoy the teaching aspect of it as well. So that's incredible. I'll never, it's one of the most memorable moments in master shopkeepers was that day that you posted, it just really sticks in my head. I think it's a testament to every other person in that group. 
they really showed up. I mean, you, you, they were amazing. Yeah, they were amazing. You were yeah. vulnerable. You shared a really difficult time. You even mm-hmm. said like, I just don't know if this business is going to survive. I don't, you know, I don't know if you said, yeah. I don't know if it's worth it, but it was a really hard time and everyone yeah. showed up. It really was incredible. I'll never forget that moment. So I, me neither. <laughs> it was I'm so incredible. happy that that turned things around for you. And it happens again and again in the group. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I do, I appreciate it. And I know everyone else appreciates it. So two things that you said, like that, 60, I had no idea that 65% of your business is e-commerce. That. Yeah. That's impressive. How do you get people to your website? I'm sure that's what everyone's thinking right now. The people right. that struggle with e-commerce, like how do you get everyone there? So a lot of it is people who we met kind of in those early days at the farmer's markets, at the pop-up shops. By the way, we did um, like little pop-up shops within other stores. So like within a gourmet food market, we did, you know, a couple of days of a pop-up shop. So that was a good way to get in front of customers who were interested in our type of product. So a lot of it is that, a lot of it is just social media, email marketing, um, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a slow growth kind of thing, but um, if, if you kind of keep it going, then the, the momentum, the momentum is there. Um, I know that there's, I could be doing a lot better, uh, especially on the email marketing side, and that's one of my goals for, for this year to improve, um, but, you know, we ship all over the country. And we're a unique gift item. I would say the, the vast majority of people who buy our products are buying them as gifts for other people. So that means, you know, kind of being really strategic about what dollars we do put behind marketing in terms of when, what time of year, what kind of messages we're presenting, how we're targeting it, um, whether that means on social media or um, email or even locally. Um, you know, I've tried to become more involved in our community, especially since my experience with the, with the local teens. Um, and that's given me a lot more visibility as well. So just participating, we're trying to get a community center um, up and running. So participating in those kinds of efforts um, locally just helps visibility. Um, I've also partnered with other local business owners. So um, like there's a there's a pliables near me, which is, you know, they make like the acai bowls and the, you know, with all the fruit and all those yummy things. Um, so, you know, I partnered with them. I've partnered with a jeweler. Um, just to sort of help each other cross promote and encourage people to shop here in town. Um, so it's a lot of different things. It's not like there's no one silver bullet. It's just like you kind of, you kind of constantly have to be looking at all the different opportunities and grab them when you can. Yeah. And try them. And if you have yeah. to shift or keep them, if they work really well, like the yeah. press has worked really well for you. Right. And like we've done some print marketing also. Um, honestly, it has not been as useful for us. We've, what has been more useful is like where um, I've either done an interview with a publication or I've written an article that they can, you know, giving them content um, that has proven a little bit better for us in terms of visibility, but just, just like doing ads and stuff, not, not just, it's not really worked for us so well. Yeah. It's like the collaborations and using your expertise. Right. Bring people in. The other thing too, I want to say is your chocolates are gorgeous. Thank they you. are gorgeous. Thank so, so I can see why it is a special gift. It's not something yeah. that you, you know you would do daily, maybe. But I could see why people would be drawn to like going to your website to spend, send someone something that's really special because they are special. So before we go, I just want to ask, I mean, we talked about Master Shopkeepers a little bit, but can you share about your experience there, what you've enjoyed about being part of the group and why you've been part of it for as long as you have? 
Sure. So I actually don't even remember how I found you to, in the beginning, <laughs> uh, but I'm sure is glad that I did. Um, you know, I think most people have sort of been at one point or another part of different Facebook groups, whether it's business oriented or a personal interest or hobby or whatever. And I just, however you did it, Kathy, you have cultivated the most wonderful group of happen to be all women. Um, although I know that's not the rule, but they, they are. Um, <laughs> supportive, inspiring, um, helpful, just fun. Um, some, some of us in the group, uh, there are a few people who have these funny, witty senses of humor that I absolutely love. Um, you know, and Lord knows we could all use an extra laugh nowadays, but uh, sure. it's, it's just, you created this incredible community. That's really what I would say. It's a community of people um, who really lift each other up, support each other. And as small business owners, like, you either have to be crazy to do this or be so super passionate that you can't imagine yourself spending your life doing anything else. And to be surrounded by others who, who have that same passion for whatever it is that they're, that they're working on or whatever it is you know, that they do um, is a daily inspiration. So it's, it's an incredible place for, for us to have that you've created. Um, I feel honored and so fortunate to be a part of it. Um, and, you know, I, I do my best as often as I can. And I know I sort of come and go a little bit, but just to contribute where I can to support others the way I've been supported. Um, it's, it's just an incredible thing that you've built. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, no, thank you. It's all of you that really make it, make up the group and the community and make it what it is. But I do, I agree. I know I'm biased, but it's not about me. It's about everyone in it. It is just a really special place. And again, like going back to that moment in time when we were in the middle of the pandemic and you posted that, honestly, yeah. I, I said it before, I'll just, I'll never forget it. And yeah. it really, we could see for those of us who were in the group at the time and are still in the group, we've seen it and no, you know, people might not say anything, but they saw what happened and how yeah. it transformed your business and how mm -hmm. it gave you hope. And we've all watched it and it's, it's just been amazing. So thank yeah. you for being part of it. And thank you for contributing when you do too. I, I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So I want to make sure before we go, where can people find you? Because now I've talked about your gorgeous, the gorgeous <laughs> chocolates and the people have to follow you and your great social media posts. Where can people find you on social media first? Sure. So on Facebook and Instagram, it's Coco Jolie Chocolates, plural. So it's C-O-C-O-J-O-L-I-E, Chocolates. Um, so that's our handle both on Instagram and Facebook. Um, website is CocoJolie.com. Um, and like I said, we ship all over the country. And uh, yeah. And, and by the way, I'd also say that while the vast majority of the customers who purchase from us are purchasing for gifts, we do also carry other products and, and we make a lot of like fun snack items and bars and we're actually going to be launching some new bars this um, in the next couple of months because I really want to have things at different price points so that anyone can come and find something fun and delicious and special that, that they like you know either for themselves or for someone else yeah I mean you even do like popcorns I and mean, there's a yeah. variety of yeah of, of items now I yeah. want to go to the website and order <laughs> again <laughs> anytime <laughs> okay so say the website one more time Sure, it's cocojolie.com, C-O-C-O-J-O-L-I-E.com. And by the way, Jolie means beautiful in French. Coco obviously alludes to chocolate, so it's beautiful chocolate. Oh, I love that. I did not know that. That's a great way to end this episode. Everyone go follow her, go order some chocolates. 
um, please let her know that you heard her on this podcast. Miriam, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. This is a great way to kick off this episode. You shared a lot of good uh, golden nuggets and a lot of, uh, you made a lot of statements that most of us can relate with too. So I appreciate you being here and I really appreciate you being a, ma a member of Master Shopkeepers. Thank you, Kathy. It's truly an honor. And I am, like I said, so grateful for this group and for everything that you do um, to, to give us all the amazing content, facilitate um, our interactions and, and really create such a special place for us. So thank you for, for doing that. All right, Miriam, have a great day. You too. Bye-bye.